The Canadian government announcing that travelers will no longer need to show proof of COVID vaccination to board a domestic or outbound international plane or train. Again, that announcement from the federal government just a moments ago. Here is a Dominic LeBlanc, Minister of Intergovernmental Affairs. He was asked if the government was regretful waiting so long to make this decision and announcement. We don't regret at all being cautious when it comes to a virus that has tragically killed tens of thousands of Canadians and millions of people around the world. Acting prudently has saved lives, and we will always continue to be cautious. All right. He was also asked uh, what this change in policy, what was it based on? This announcement is not about shortening wait times that are currently being experienced at some of Canada's airports. As you know, these wait times are mainly caused by staffing shortages. The adjustments we're making today are based on science, and they will not have an impact immediately on these airport delays. We remain committed to reducing the wait times at Canada's airport. We have already taken a number of steps to improve this situation. All right, Duncan D is the former Chief Operating Officer for Air Canada and joins us once again. Duncan, good afternoon and welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for having me again. All right, your take on uh, today's announcement, as you just heard there, uh, the Intergovernmental Affairs Minister uh, Dominic uh, LeBlanc and the announcement by the federal government that there will no longer be a proof of vaccination required to board a domestic or outbound international uh, plane. What's your take on the announcement, Duncan? Well, it was good to hear the minister um, make that announcement, uh, but also uh, to be clear that what they were announcing today would have zero impact on the lineups we're seeing at Pearson. Um, you know, effectively, what uh, they've announced today is uh, more travelers are, um, are going to be eligible to take to the skies. The one piece of good news for the potential lineups at the airport is that uh, employers, transportation uh, sector employers, are no longer going to have to enforce a vaccine mandate on their employees, which uh, resulted in uh, layoffs of employees who weren't vaccinated. So hopefully those employees will be able to return shortly. All right. So when it comes to the uh, airport lineups and the chaos, and as we just heard in that clip, we ran from the uh, minister that uh, this uh, was not uh, this policy change. It was not rooted in that based on what we've seen in the airports. Uh, Your overall take when it comes to the chaos and the congestion uh, at our airports. uh, I know the airport council, they've been uh, calling for this uh, to be uh, lifted for uh, some time now. Do you think that this is going to make a major difference or have a major impact in the wait times we've seen of the last few weeks, a month and a half or so? This in and of itself uh, will not have a major impact, especially when they're maintaining the vaccine mandates on uh, foreign travelers coming into Canada and uh, the fact that all travelers are still going to have to use the ArriveCan app when they enter the country. So the, the, the biggest wait times we've seen at the airport have in fact been at customs. Um, and the reasons why we've had those uh, huge lines is because of the federal government's um, vaccine mandate and the uh, random testing. They've paused the random testing for two weeks, but that's supposed to come back uh, by the 1st of July. So um, overall, I think it is uh, positive that they've ended the vaccine mandate, especially on um, airline and uh, airport employees. But um, in terms of the overall lineups, it doesn't fix the situation that they've created at the uh, borders. 
And that seems to be the subtext, but would you argue that's kind of more the headline is lifting of this uh, vaccine uh, mandate for uh, public service uh, workers, that that's really going to help when it comes to uh, staffing? And we know there's a staffing crisis in the uh, airports. This is going to enable what is, uh, you would think, an experienced workforce, at least part of it, to, to now return to the job and come back, perhaps? I think that you, Jeff, you're 100 percent correct. You know that might be the the, the nugget within this uh, entire announcement. Um, you know, the, the minister was very clear that he said that staffing was the real issue behind the uh, lineups we're seeing at the airport. Well, the reason why staffing, uh, why 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 some um, airports and airlines are short is because uh, the federal government forced them to uh, lay off their unvaccinated employees, which could number in the hundreds, if not more. So, you know, hopefully this will have an impact. The, the difficulty is it, he, he's, they're making this an announcement about 10 days before the start of the summer peak. So if airlines want to bring back uh, unvaccinated employees, you're going to have to scramble to get them back uh, in place. Um, and, you know, let's not forget that anyone who works at the airports uh, in Canada have to get their security uh, security badges and uh, which requires time as well. So this might be a little bit late to uh, bring people back to work uh, for the summer peak. Well, that was my very next question. For those that are listening to us right now, Duncan, that have got summer plans, they've already bought airline tickets, uh, they got uh, plans for a uh, summer vacation. Uh, should they expect to arrive at the airport again? Uh, it used to be two hours, but we're now hearing three or four is more of the uh, norm that really we anticipate, uh, at least over the uh, summer, this uh, congestion and chaos of the airports to continue then? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, the best advice for travelers this summer is to uh, ensure that they're up to date on what the airports they're flying to and from are um, advising. Vancouver Airport, for example, is uh, advising at least a three-hour, um, um, sh- showing up at the airport three hours in advance of somebody's flight. Um, and so Vancouver Airport may be adjusting that. We don't know yet. But uh, I would make sure that, that that's something that travelers check before they head out to the airport. Definitely, I wouldn't cut it short. All right. We should also uh, underscore or tell people that the uh, masking mandate on uh, planes and uh, trains, uh, that uh, does uh, remain. And also as well that the uh, lifting of the uh, vaccine uh, Mandate for uh, travelers, the proof of vaccination, sorry. Uh, the government uh, did, uh, and I think this is uh, worth also highlighting, uh, Duncan, say that uh, this is not a permanent measure. This is something that possibly could be brought back maybe if we see a COVID surge in the fall. That's right. I mean, the government's uh, keeping all its uh, options open, and uh, they're saying that if things uh, deteriorate in terms of the uh, pandemic, then th- these uh, measures are going to uh, be coming back. I mean, as we've seen um, throughout uh, the pandemic, the government um, has taken, you know, its time in making announcements, both imposing mandates and removing them. So this is really not that much of a surprise. Joined by Duncan D., former chief operating officer for Air Canada. Duncan, also this afternoon, I wanted to ask you, because there's been a little more talk in the uh, last uh, few days, a week or so, about uh, Pearson and uh, whether or not uh, one international airport now is truly enough for, for Toronto. We, of course, have got the uh, smaller island uh, airport. But with the congestion and the chaos that we've seen over the last a little while at Pearson, do we need to start having a serious conversation again about to perhaps uh, looking at a city like uh, New York uh, that's got more than one uh, major hub or uh, airport? Is Toronto at that point uh, in its uh, history where that conversation needs to happen in earnest again, do you think, after what we've seen? 
Well, look, I think that in terms of uh, another airport, the lead time uh, to uh, build another airport and have it up and running is quite long. So whatever congestion we're seeing at the airport now, you know, we, we would have to live with for quite some time. In terms of um, the island airport specifically, there have been um, talks about allowing more flights at the island airport. But as you know, there's a lot of opposition in the local area to that, folks who, who live along the Toronto waterfront. So that's very unlikely. In terms of a brand new airport, there has been talk over the years about whether it's Buttonville or Pickering or other areas, which may perhaps become um, a, a new, larger um, airport, either replacing Pearson or perhaps acting as a, uh, another hub, as you suggest, like New York or London or Paris, which have multiple airports. I don't think we're there yet, but since it takes time to get these projects off the ground, uh, I think the conversation should probably start sooner rather than later, because Pearson is going to be hitting capacity sometime in the next uh, few years. Yeah, do we know, and you know, that's a really good and valid point, obviously, Duncan, that these conversations uh, need to happen now, because uh, this is not like flipping a switch and it's going to happen overnight. Uh, Do we know, do we have any sort of forecast as to, uh, with the amount of travel that's expected in and through uh, Toronto, I mean, are we looking at uh, potentially in the next 5, 10, 15 years where we possibly could have enough uh, business where we're going to need that uh, second larger airport? Excellent, excellent point. I mean, the difficulty with the um, with the forecasts is most of them were from before the pandemic, and the pandemic has basically upended all of those assumptions. We aren't, as of now, we are at around 70% of our pre-pandemic traffic. So we're not even back to where we were when the pandemic uh, started. So does that mean we're 10 years away? Before the pandemic, they were saying that uh, the airport's uh, capacity would be hit within about a decade. Uh, so that was, let's say, three years ago. So if if you took th- those projections, we'd be seven years away from hitting Pearson's capacity. But with a pandemic, has that delayed things? It's really tough to tell right now. But the speed at which the recovery in air traffic has, has uh, taken place is really surprising everybody. Whether that continues with the inflation that we're seeing in the economy remains to be seen. Just a final point uh, on this before we let you go. Our listeners in Hamilton, uh, London, there was some exciting news uh, for travelers in London yesterday that a flare is going to uh, enhance a service out of a London International Airport. Is that going to be key in the uh, interim? Do you think that that's going to be key overall, that we start uh, maximizing uh, smaller airports in uh, cities such as Hamilton, uh, London, uh, Kitchener, perhaps? Look, I think that... Uh Southern Ontario has quite a few, quite quite a bit of capacity, as you mentioned, in terms of uh, secondary airports. Whether it's uh, Kitchener, London, um, Hamilton, these are uh, airports which still have quite a bit of capacity available. Whether these new uh, low-cost carriers like Flair are able to launch service there and sustain the service, you know, launching a service is one thing; keeping the service going is another. And uh, you know, as we've seen in the past, a lot of these airlines start and stop. So hopefully with the um, recovery that we're seeing in air travel, there's enough of a demand now that uh, these new services will be sustained over a longer period of time. All right, Duncan, appreciate your time and your expertise as always. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Duncan D., former Chief Operating Officer for Air Canada, and we're back after a break.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.